If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, in St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hey, freaks, from now until December 20th, if you follow our show on the Himalaya app and share the show with your friends, you'll be entered in a drawing to win brand new ear pods. We're also doing a group giveaway with some of our true crime creators listed in the episode notes. If you follow and share at least one of the other participating shows, you're entered to win a stay at the Stanley Hotel. Expenses will be paid by Himalaya. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You know, we've often... That's a good way to start. <laughs> you know, we've often we've often joked about there's going to come a point because I think this is the 184th episode mm. that we've done. We would come across a point where we accidentally repeat a topic, and today it almost happened. It almost happened. Well, we've talked on multiple occasions about how I have a terrible memory. Like unless it's song lyrics, it's not going to stay in there. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I almost did a topic today that we had. Already discussed. And at the last minute, I went, maybe I should double check. <laughs> and so I texted you yeah. because we were in different rooms. Right. Um, we don't want to bother each other while we're <laughs> researching. And, uh, well, also, you were listening to, to music. And I can't I can't read and yeah. listen to music at the same That's time. True. That's not yeah. how my brain works. Anyway, um, so, yeah, you were like, yeah, we've done that. Yeah. And the only reason that I remember... That one specifically is because I almost did that one the same day that you did. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah. But don't rely on me to be able to tell you if we've done a topic or not. I need a comprehensive catalog <laughs> of the topics that we've discussed because I am just, I'm a space cadet. And eventually it will come to the point where I'm like, let's talk about a thing. And you're going to be like, that is exactly what we talked about last week. And I'm going to be like, 
Huh. <laughs> well, well, with 184 episodes and you and I each doing a different topic, that's what, 368 topics that we have done between the two of us in the past year and a half. It's too much. I can't keep track of it all. I need yeah. a list. Yeah. I need a list. We, you know what? We need to start the uh, the Cat and Jethro library <laughs> and, and have somebody uh, document all this for us. And- there have been times where I have Googled, like, if I was thinking, hey, I'll do a topic on you know, foot tacos or whatever, right. I'll be like, I'll Google the box of oddities foot tacos to see if anything comes, comes up. up. Yeah. And that, <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you chose a topic for today. You didn't tell me what it was after I said, no, you can't do the other one. <laughs> um, so let's see if we've already done this one, too. Okay. Fingers crossed. What do you got? All right. So it's February in 2013. And Fernando Garbarage Leo... Uh, who from now on I will call Fernando, uh, was an undergraduate uh, paleontology student from the Universidad de Buenos Aires. He went on his first field trip to La Butrera, which was the uh, paleontologic, paleontological... <laughs> yeah. It was an area where they dig up a lot of things in northern <laughs> Argentina. Mm-hmm. Now, this area, it's very dry. When you Google... La Buitrera, you get stories about how it's hot and dry, uh, rock climbing is popular there, and you get stories about what I'm talking about today. It's it's pretty much hot and dry. And uh, when you are searching for fossils in this region, it's a very uncomfortable experience. You are sifting through grit and pebbles and rocks and it's hot in the sun and you're hot and you got to pick up each piece and inspect it and put it down and it's hour after hour of just sifting through this hot, dry... Anyway, it was hot. And so Fernando was with two other paleontologists, Sebastian Apestuiga and Guillermo Roger from the University of Louisville. Now, Fernando picked up a pebble. It was only a few centimeters long. And he, instead of seeing just a regular old rock, he spotted a bony face staring back at him. A bony face? A bony face. He had found a snake skull. Oh. So he asked one of his co-digger-uppers to inspect the fossil, and it was discovered that, yes, this was, in fact, an almost complete 95-million-year-old 3D-preserved snake skull. 95 million years old? So ancient that it is... That's why this is a story. It is huge that this was discovered and in the condition that it was discovered in. So it, this this is chronicled by researchers Alessandro Palsi and Michael Caldwell, who published a study on the skull uh, along with Fernando. And the discovery was a significant find that provided archaeologists with the missing pieces to further study an ancient snake species known as Najash. And if you know the Bible at all, you might know the biblical legend of Nahash, who is the legged serpent, mean, which Nahash means snake in Hebrew. 
So this guy was first uncovered in the early 2000s, but the skull was very fragmented. So there was some insight into this snake at that time. Um, It was a scientific breakthrough, as a matter of fact. But um, this 3D skull that they were able to recover in 2013 really changed the way that they were able to study this guy. So what made him different? Well, that first dig was so significant because of the legs. The skeleton bones included rear limbs. Yeah, this this is fascinating to me because, you know, as you mentioned in the Bible, the story, it talks about uh, the serpent having, having legs. Mm-hmm. And modern snakes, they have skeletal remains of what were once legs. Yes. There was earlier evidence of legged marine snakes. Um, Okay, so scientists believe that snakes used to have four legs instead of Najash's two legs, which means that four-limbed ancestors of snakes lost the front legs early on in the evolution line at least 170 million years ago. Wow. Okay, that's fascinating. So snakes at one point, they all had four legs. Yep. And they didn't just evolved to have no legs equally they lost their front legs first that's the word damn yeah at least it wasn't one at a time because then they'd be all crooked and that would be very uncomfortable i think yeah um so the new study suggests that after losing their front limbs uh snakes evolved into this hind-legged creature and that stayed that way for about 10 million years holy crap yeah so researchers could only uncover minimal information about the snake's head due to that that the poor condition of that initial skull that was discovered um scientists often learn how snakes adapt their highly specialized feeding habits from features on their skulls. So with that that first crushed skull uh, that was discovered in 2004, um, they weren't able to get as much information as they wanted. When Fernando was interviewed by the New York Times, he said, the skull is now the most complete Mesozoic snake skull known and preserves key data on ancient snake anatomy. So the rear-limbed fossil snake garnered a huge amount of media interest as it followed earlier reports of those fossil marine snakes with rear limbs. And what made Najash unique was that it was terrestrial, living in a desert, and not an aquatic snake living in the ocean. In addition, the fossils were not compressed flat by the weight of the overlying sediments, so they were preserved in three dimensions, which makes a huge difference compared to the fossil marine snakes. So uh, according to Smithsonian, experts have long theorized that snakes arose from a blind burrowing lizard ancestor. Um, That's explained by Michael Caldwell and Alessandro Palsi. As as I mentioned, they documented this discovery. Um, And it's been suggested that an order of small worm-like burrowing snakes are the the most primitive ones alive today. But Najash's skull doesn't look like those guys. Um, while they have little mouths, Najash had a big mouth lined with sharp teeth, and uh, he was equipped with some of the mobile joints that are seen in snakes today. But unlike modern snakes, Najash had a uh, jungle bone? Jungle bone? <laughs> 
Jugal bone? Jungle bone sounds like a porn video. <laughs> it does. It's not jungle because there's no N. It's J-U-J-U-G-A-L. Juggle bone? Like a, it, I'm around, I'm, it's around the cheekbone. So I'm imagining it's similar to the word jugular. Ah, so juggle okay. bone. Okay. It, but juggle bone sounds ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, experts previously thought that the absence of that bone was a shared feature of all snakes living and fossilized. I just thought of something. Go. When they evolved to lose their legs, they lost their front legs first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Doesn't it? Wouldn't it make more sense to lose your back legs first? Because it would. Wouldn't it be easier for them to pull themselves around by the I front? I, I I picture like a little dog who uh, lays his back legs backwards mm-hmm. and then just kind of pushes himself with his back. Okay, maybe that. Yeah, and then. Nature said, you don't need those legs. Right. Get off it. It's, it's crazy. Hmm. It just makes you uh, lopsided. <laughs> it's weird. In fact, according to this research, ancestral snakes were more similar to the big-headed lizard relatives, more like Komodo dragons Ooh. than these small, blind, uh, burrowing snakes that hmm. they thought they might have been related to. So... I got most of this information from uh, all that's interesting, from uh, Smithsonian, from Live Science, which had a great article uh, about it. And, of course, Wikipedia uh, provided minimal information uh, because, you know, it's Wikipedia. But it was fun. And, um, yeah, so anyway, snakes uh, had legs and then just two legs. And now just none legs. Have we determined why snakes evolved to have no legs? What was the natural selection involved there? I mean, as far as that goes, there's only hypothesis. Mm. And I don't think that there's any real good hypothesis about it. I know that uh, the theories have changed since they believed that maybe the legged snakes were only marine snakes, uh, but now that they've discovered that the the legged snakes also lived in Argentina, or what hmm. is now Argentina, obviously hmm. it wasn't Argentina then, that would have been weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, there there it has to change, and that's, that's the amazing thing about science, is as you discover more, uh, things change, and you don't just keep that same uh, belief just because it's what you thought before. Uh, as you learn more, you change your ideas. Maybe somebody who's listening that's an expert in this sort of thing can shed some light on what what the hypothesis is for why snakes lost their legs to begin with. Because if we all came from essentially the ocean, Mm -hmm. we came from primitive fish-like things, and they evolved legs, Mm -hmm. and then this creature evolved no legs from there. So, So they had no legs, they grew legs, then they lost their legs. What was the reasoning for that? I don't know. I don't think they were like, hey, I think I'm going to go with this no leg thing. But you're right. There has to be some sort of advantage biologically mm. for that to happen. Uh, can't, I, don't I don't know. Hey, if you know, clue us in. P.S. If you're just joining us, I know why that water exploded in the microwave. <laughs> yeah, <we're>, Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate you. But at this point, you're just making me feel stupid. <laughs> I don't I can't even begin to estimate how many people still 
who got to the episode, I think it was somewhere in the 40s or 50s, where we asked, why does water explode in the microwave? <laughs> because it exploded in your face one day. Yeah. Scalding. Scalding I, burns. I'm going to guess we've probably had over 100 people write to us and explain the uh, the properties behind why that happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and thank you. But yeah, now you're just making us feel dumb. <laughs> and now... That thing in the middle. How much do you love George Takei? So much. Me too. Found this article in Mental Floss where they asked him to review some random products in Amazon, and his reviews are hilarious. I love it. Number five, the Mountain Three Wolf Moon Short Sleeve Tea. You're picturing it right now, and you're right. Five stars from George Takei, who loves how it lets him browse Walmart undetected. But... With the Mountain Three Wolf Moon short sleeve tee, the shirt now draws the eye. One young teen even shyly approached me and instead of asking for a picture or an autograph, simply smiled conspiratorially and whispered, Team Jacob, right? Me too. He's so dreamy. Yes, he is, young lady. Yes, he is. Number four, the yodeling pickle. Amazon says it's a great gift for any person who has everything except for a yodeling pickle. <laughs> George Takei says, I tried for hours to figure out how to pry off the lid so I could load it properly, but that was a no-go. Then the thing started yodeling at me. Well, I thought, well, no more from that dispensary. See, because it looks like a bowl. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Number three, the Denon AKDL1 dedicated link cable. I don't know what that means. Well, it looks like a phone charger. Oh, okay. Basically. Three stars from George Takei, who found the cable required all of his Starfleet training to use. Quote, the minute I plugged this cable in, I knew something was amiss. The first evidence, the small wormhole that appeared in our living room right next to our Holstein cowhide recliner. Peering into it, I could discern the snarling face of a Ferengi. Likely somewhere out in the Gamma Quadrant. Number two, the deer rear with bottle opener. It is like a mounted deer head. Instead, though, it is the ass, and its asshole is a beer bottle opener, and it's weird. Okay, so George Takei gives it five stars, and he says, Dear friends, looking for the perfect hunting lodge accessory? No ifs, ands, or buts. This is a staggering find. Oh, dear puns. Yeah. And number one, the Star Trek Magnetic Spock and Captain Kirk Salt and Pepper Shaker set. Three stars from George Takei, who said... He found these too realistic. After Brad got me this set, I realized that they were a bit too true to life. The Kirk Shaker kept wandering off in search of lady shakers, insisting his salt crystals were real dilithium. I would have recommended this as a great Father's Day gift, but I noticed over time that the body of the shaker droops, and the uniform seems, well, now a bit snug. I was also disappointed to learn that the hairpiece does not come off as expected. One star off my marks for that. <gasps> Snarky. Well done, George Takei. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, 
automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is... Well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The Box of Oddities. It's not for everyone. We got this message from Podcast Junkie who said, Watch the Christmas story today and hearing Jethro talk, he and the narrator of the movie sound very similar. Just a side note or an opinion. Both very endearing to me. Keep on, you freaks. I fucking love you. The guy, you know, that's a great compliment. The guy who narrates the Christmas Story movie, his name is Gene Shepard. I don't know that voice. I mean, I can't hear. I've only seen the Christmas Story once, which I know is going to... Shocking. It's <laughs> shocking to most of us. He was, he not only was the narrator, but he wrote the story and produced the movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very interesting. Look at you with your little tidbits. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and me. me. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about... Okay, sorry. But not just sex nowadays. Weird sex from history. Throughout I, history, weird sex and weird sexual practices and things. I'm concerned. I got this from Cracked. This is a great list that they put together. How, how different can it be? I'm, I'm okay. worried. All right, all right. Goat eyelids, with the eyelashes and all, uh, used to be used as cock rings throughout history. Decorative cock rings. Oh, God. And you can still buy them online. No. Yes. Goat eyelid cock rings. I don't think I like that. It does look fashionable. Poor goat. Your dick doesn't need to be fashionable at the cost of a goat's eyelids. I'm not going to argue that point with you. <laughs> Members of China's Han Dynasty 
that uh, ruled between 206 BC and and 220 CE uh, had handmade, personalized, bespoke bronze dildos made for them. Oh. And they have found them. They've dug them up. Sure. It's not clear if they were meant to be used by men or women or both, but at least one was meant to be used by a man as it was buried with a king. Here's a picture of it. You want to see a picture of it? Yes. It doesn't look very comfortable. It's got a little... That's smart. You've got to have that thing. Because if, if it's for a man, it's going in his butthole. Oh, yeah. You've got to have something that's going to keep it from getting lost in there. I suppose. That's yeah. smart. Yeah, it's like a giant uh, circle. It looks like a key ring. Exactly. You could attach it to your ancient Han Dynasty keychain. For all your dildo on the go needs. <laughs> In ancient Constantinople. As a contraceptive, they used to squirt lemon juice in women's vaginas. Yeah. um, You remember years ago, I did that commercial for a main family planning. And uh, I. Oh, yeah. 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 So when I was doing like the B roll where they're doing the talk over, it's all like main family planning is open for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You You would do This was on camera. It was a TV commercial. So I was on camera. And so we were sitting in the. uh, doctor's office mm-hmm. and the doctor who was actually a doctor at Maine Family Planning and I were chatting and they just needed video of us like talking you know to look like yeah. hey we're discussing my my reproductive needs and um, <laughs> so she she's all like this is so awkward and I was like I know and it's just weird that you know we have to pretend that we're talking and she's like well we could talk about things like ancient reproductive rights and she told me about how women used to slice a lemon in half and they would insert the half a lemon in there. Wow. Um, to That was supposedly birth control. Well, there is some validity to it. Well, lemon juice is very acidic. It's, it's acidic, exactly. And it immobilizes sperm cells to a certain degree. Yeah, but your vagina also, I mean, not just your vagina, but your your parts have to have like the right pH balance to be healthy. And yes. probably jamming citrus fruit no. in there is not a good idea. Modern scientists do not recommend you do that. Of course not sex dolls we've all seen them they've become quite uh, high tech sure uh, but the first sex dolls can be traced back to the 17th century whoa sailors during that time period used cloth dolls called dom de voyage to let's say keep them company on long journeys but sure. they're cloth so yeah. i don't know they get all Sure. Crunchy. <laughs> well, you're at sea for months at a time. Yeah. Ugh. Oof. I always assumed that's why so often there was a lady carved out of the front of the, the ship. <laughs> you just see horny yeah. sailors. Just reaching up and around, yeah. grabbing a, a wooden boob. <laughs> oh, yeah. There uh, she blows. I remember right? that. Uh, anchors away, matey. <laughs> According to Pliny the Elder, Messalina, the Empress of Rome, between 41 and 48 A.D., At night, she would go to bed with her husband, the Emperor Claudius, but then after he fell asleep, she would uh, sneak out and offer her services as Lysiska, which means wolf bitch at a seedy brothel. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was known as wolf bitch. Uh, She even once challenged a a colleague at the brothel to a competition, Which, uh, according to legend, she walked away the winner with 25 paying customers in one hour. 
in one hour. How she walked away from that, I have no idea. But yes, according to this, she serviced 25 paying clients in one hour. I mean, they had to all have been on point, yes, you know, yeah. like ready to go. Like you better be getting it ready while you're in yeah, line. In line, and sure. Yeah. Just... Sounds like a pay-per-view event from Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Ancient Taoism taught that sperm is a source of good health and physical strength. Immediately when I saw that, I thought, yeah, of course that's what they're going to say. They're going to tell women this is good for you. Right. But actually it was the other way around. In order for a male to remain healthy and strong... They uh, would recommend that when men had sex, they would not ejaculate unless it was necessary for pregnancy. Oh, okay. So you had to keep your sperm. You had to keep it. Losing your sperm was losing health. Right. Got it. Greek physician Soranus of Ephesus. What? Yeah, his name was Soranus. From Ephesus? Ephesus. I love baby mice. Believed in contraception through sneezing. Um, he would recommend that uh, after sex, a woman should get down and squat and then force herself to sneeze because it would uh, clean out her vagina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how that works. No. But no. cool. She, he also said that while, when, when a man was about to ejaculate that the woman should hold her breath and distance herself to keep from sucking the semen into her uterus. What? So, so when the man was about to ejaculate, she had to hold her breath and then not move. Oh, because if she breathes <clears throat> in, that will get this. I guess. Wait, was he trying? Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Olden people are weird. Them days of yore, you know. In 1750, <laughs> a Frenchman and his donkey were put on trial for engaging in bestiality. No. Uh, yeah, the man, his name was first Jacques. First the donkey has no control over that situation. The donkey is a non-consensual partner. The man, Jacques Ferron, was sentenced to death by burning at the stake. Holy shit. Yep. The donkey was acquitted. Oh, good. Because it was determined that she did not give her consent to have sex with Ferron. In fact, a parish priest testified to the virtuousness of the donkey. Yes, thank you. I knew you'd like that one. Yeah. The medieval church was a real cock blocker. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. All sex was considered sinful. Even if you're trying to have yeah, a baby? Yes. So married couples were pressured to only have sex on specific days that would end in procreation. Oh, I was going to say that would end in why. <laughs> if a married couple conceived a child, a married couple, if they conceived a child during a time that was deemed inappropriate on the Catholic Church calendar, that child could be deemed a bastard. What? Yeah. How long did this go on for? Because that sounds really I would imagine counterintuitive to growing your church. <laughs> Someone did not think this through. This is the medieval time. So the Enlightenment, I guess, is when probably that stopped being a thing. You know what a merkin is? It's like a it's like a toupee for your pubic area. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of a fetish item these days. Yeah. But they were commonly used during the 15th century. Prostitutes would often have to shave their pubic hair to get rid of body lice and crabs. That and makes sense. That sort of thing. And so if a client saw a prostitute with a shaved vajayjay. Sure, sex worker, but continue. Then they knew that this person had lice. Right. And perhaps other things. 
So the sex worker uh, would cover up with a merkin. Oh, that's smart. To hide signs of STIs. And now, uh, for some reason, it's become like, if you're a sexy time person, then you have to have a shaved vag, which is not the case. (laughs) You do you. You If you want to take it off, do it. If you want to keep it bushy, I encourage you. There's no one right way to pube. There are many ways to properly pube. So during the Victorian era, dancing after sexual intercourse was thought to be also an effective contraceptive method, much like the earlier sneezing idea. Sure. But they thought if they got the woman up and danced her about a bit. Okay, yeah. That, you know, it would, would, uh, well, as one doctor, um, a physiologist, Eugene Beckland said, dancing was a good exercise to disturb the embryo. He also recommended trotting around on a horse over um, rough terrain the day after intercourse. Wow. Yeah. You should definitely wait until the next day and just ride a horse. Um, Yeah. I can remember my mom saying that even when she was a kid, there was this this idea that if you danced around or jump did jumping jacks after Mm -hmm. jumping uh, jacks. Yeah. If Uh you yeah after. uh, Would any type of uh, aerobic activity. I guess. I mean, the idea has got to be that it just comes out of you. Right. That's not how that works. No. I mean, you could just like squeeze real hard. (laughs) <laughs> but I guess squeeze real hard doesn't sound very scientific. So <laughs> jumping jacks it is. In medieval Japan, in Buddhist temples, their older monks would have sex. Having sex with uh, young novices, it was normal and widespread. I thought that monks weren't supposed to do it. Monks were forbidden from having sex with women. Oh. They, they found a loophole yeah, right. somewhere. I don't buy it, but cool. You did a thing on Catherine the Great. Um, a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Psychologist Havelock Ellis documented in his book, Psychology of Sex, that Catherine the Great employed royal foot ticklers who would uh, sing her dirty songs and tickle her feet to arouse her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like her more and more. That's ah, adorable. I like that uh, there's just, you know, I don't know, the fact that we know about this means that probably... She was not shy about it. No, I don't think she was shy about much. Yeah, which I I enjoy very Mm, much. Yeah. The rectal dilator, what we call a butt plug nowadays, was invented in the 18th century, in the mid-1700s. It was advertised as a treatment for piles and constipation. Well, yeah. Um, You'd think it would be more of a cure for diarrhea. Just jamming up in there. Yeah. It was actually even featured in the Detroit Medical Journal in 1905. Oh, wow. As a uh, legitimate uh, medical device, the butt plug. A famous Soviet artist in 1931 published a book that taught the alphabet with pictures of naked people twisting themselves into shapes of letters. Cool. You know, various types of sex acts, but they would be shaped in a way that would uh, depict various letters from A to Z. It's like the, uh, what's it, the Kama Sutra? But, uh, yes, but with but alphabet. But for teaching yeah. language? Yeah. So that's nice. It's it's unclear if it was intended to be primarily for education or masturbation, but uh, it is important to note that uh, the literacy rate in the USSR went from 56 to 75% in a short period of time. I bet. <laughs> I bet. That guy's name is Sergi Mercurov, if you want to look the book up for Googling yourself. Googling it right now. Are you? Okay. There are a couple of pictures here. Wow. 
The letter B is interesting. That takes three people. I would imagine a few of them do. Yeah. S takes three people as well. I is the most boring. Just a single person standing there. Yeah. All right. H looks like some sort of spit roast activity. Oh, there's numbers too. Really? Yeah. Check out three. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anywho, I need to wrap this up because I need some time to study my alphabet. Don't be gross. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Coming right up on our next live show, January 29th in Washington, D.C. If you're in the area, we would love to see you. Tickets are available on our website, theboxofoddities.com. And then one month later, the 29th of February, we're at the Bijou Theater. And we are in negotiations for other shows after that. We will keep you posted. Still trying to work on uh, Texas for March. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Um, Until we see you again, lovely treats of people types, keep flying that freak flag. And keep flying it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms.